opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. My name is Paul Edwards, but I am by no means uh, the, the only person uh, who will be on this evening. We have a plethora of people joining us this evening. But to begin with, we have uh, all of our regulars with us, uh, which includes the producer of us all, Mr. Rick Morin. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Paul. Thank you. How are you? I am well, thank you. And we have our hand raiser extraordinaire, Miss Marianne. How are you, dear one? I am well, Paul. Glad to be here. Excellent. And our streamer of consequence, Mr. Larry Gassman. How are you, sir? I am one who believes in both truth and consequences, and I'm fine. <laughs> and old television program. Yeah, yes, with Bob Barker. <laughs> Bob Barker. Come on down. Oh, that was Johnny Olson. That's a different show. <laughs> it was a different show. Yes, Excellent. Host. And and our co-host, Brian Charlson, may be back. Brian, are I you am back? indeed. Excellent. Welcome. Back in the saddle again. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that 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 predates truth or consequences. <laughs> it did. I'm trying my best. <laughs> um, this evening we are exploring together some of the some of the new directions that uh, the audio description project is taking, and we are fortunate to have as our guests three people uh, from the audio description project. Um, First, uh, one of its co-chairs, Ms. Kim Charlson, who's famous for other things as well. Hey, Ms. Kim. Hello, Paul. How are you? I am well, thank you. And we also have um, the uh, the expert on all things movie, Mr. Carl Richardson. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. Excellent. And for the first time on Tuesday Topics, um, it uh, we are absolutely overjoyed to welcome the project coordinator for the audio description project, Dr. Tabitha Kenlin. Hey, Ms. Tabitha. Hello. Thank you for having us. That's excellent. So there is a lot going on in the world of audio description at the moment, a lot of events coming up. And um, so I'm going to invite Kim to kind of start us off and tell us where you guys would like to go. Uh, as long as you know that at some point I'm going to spend a little time talking with Dr. Kenlin so our folks can get a better idea of from whence she came. I think that sounds like a great idea. So why don't we get the the conversation and the information about the Audio Description Awards Gala out there so people will know a little bit more about it coming up November 14th. It's a Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. So it's a it's a pre-recorded um, program that will last a, a little shy of 90 minutes, um, recognizing um, industry leaders for excellence in audio description and what they're doing. So um, there's a lot about the gala that's, I think, going to be really exciting. Um, I believe, Carl, that it has been confirmed that 
The gala will also run live at 7.30 p.m. and then be streamed and available for a month or so afterwards on Peacock. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so we might talk a little bit um, about accessing Peacock if you have a few details about that. Not, not exactly the do this, do that, but we can talk a little bit more about that. So... The gala is going to be available in many different um, ways you can listen. You can go to the website for the gala, which is adawardsgala.org. So that's adawardsgala.org. And it will stream live from there. There'll be a a link that you can watch now kind of link. I don't know what it's going to be called, but you'll find it. and it runs um, simultaneously on a- ACB's YouTube channel and will be available there afterwards. But um, one especially fun way you can access the gala is right here on ACB Media. It will be carried um, simultaneously with the other um, video streams as well. The audio will be right here on ACB Media Channel six, Rick, is that correct? Or Larry? No, no it's going to be ACB Media One, Kim. Oh, it's going to be on one. Yeah, it's yes. going to be on one. Yep. Yay. Yep. 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 <laughs> That's great. Um, so there's just a lot of ways to access it. Nobody should have any problems getting getting to view the gala. And there's um there's one more way. It's also going to be streamed as a community event. We're going to have a watch party um, as a as a community call, so you can join in um, either you know on Zoom and Clubhouse and uh, watch the the show together and um, make a, a quick comment when your favorite people you know receive awards and and that sort of thing. So trying to yeah. have multiple ways of getting people involved. Right. So that one will be kind of an interactive watch party happening right then and there as the, as the gala is airing, which sounds fun. That'll be great. Um, So, so I guess some of our folks might be wondering what the efficacy or the, or, or the logic behind having, having the show pre-recorded rather than going out live. Would mm -hmm. anybody like to speak to that? Logistics <laughs> and money and, and, yeah. and money. Um, there's no question that the gala is a fundraising event, as most galas are for most organizations. So we, you know, we started the gala during the pandemic, and it was pre-recorded and produced um, because of some of the the limitations at the time of having a live event, but. If any of you have been to a hotel or eaten a meal in a hotel or done anything in a hotel lately, the prices are astronomical. So it's it. I think it was a, a decision of practicality more than anything else, because I know some people wanted to eventually make the gala a live event um, where and, people would have to come and, you know, go somewhere and there would be an event and like a, a traditional gala would be. Well, and also we wanted to make this available to as broad an audience as possible. Cause now right, that's one of the reasons why it's pre-recorded is right. so it can be available, not just to those who are in the room at the event, 
but it can be available to everybody. Because right. not everybody can afford to put on a black tie and the evening That's gown. Right. And, and, That's right. and be, so this is one way we can make it broadly accessible. Logistically, I mean, we're just putting together this 90-minute pre-recorded video. Um, we're also, for the first time this year, going to make it available and audio describe it and translate it in Spanish simultaneously for those who are part of the Spanish-speaking community. Yes, and, and will. that will also be available on ACB Media. I'm assuming. Yeah, I it think, will. I think yeah. it will be on whatever yeah. channel is assigned to carry that. I think the Spanish language stuff has a traditional place that it goes when right. there is content. Um, Rick, do you do you know what channel that's going to be on? I, I'm not sure, Spanish? Paul, but it will it will definitely be on on ACB Media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. It's it's um, more excited and, and, about that. Yeah, no, and, we're and very I, excited. And we have our partner, Maria um, Victoria Diaz from Decapta, which is the kind of industry leader for audio description in Spanish in um, based out of Florida. And and they are providing the the translation and the description and captioning services for the Spanish version. So so they're they're definitely a great sponsor and a partner for this event for ACB. And a couple of reasons for this event is one, to to create public awareness beyond the blindness community about what audio description is and to promote excellence in audio description. But as Kim mentioned a few minutes ago, also to be as a fundraiser and as a member of the fundraising committee, I want to point out that so far we have raised over $100,000 Okay. For ACB and the audio description right. project, which is right. fantastic. Right. So, and you individually, if you're a fan of audio description and it's important to you, can also go to that link that Kim mentioned, adawardgala.org, and also there will be a link there to donate if anybody wants to donate individually. And we hope you will. The, the, the gala, I think the other reason that we've felt that it we have had success in having it be a, a a pre-recorded event is that we get much more attention from all the industry participants whether they're winning an award or or they're not winning an award the audio description companies that create the description for all of the entertainment industry because they can all tune in and watch. And it's not just one or two people from a company coming to a live event in a hotel somewhere. It's, you know, they can have their whole team, their creatives, their production teams, all their people um, can come and attend. And, you know, last year we had, and we're going to do it again this year, you know, after the gala, we had a wonderful sort of after party where we, where we had, um, people that were involved in the production, our producer, Doug Rowland, um, Michael Cohn from Lucasfilms. So he was an award winner. He came to the after party. A lot of the planning committee came to the after party. And we just, you know, after watching the the video and seeing all the award winners, they'll be invited. Um, and we hope they will come and just drop in for a little bit. And it just was a really fun after after kind of everybody just glowing and beaming about audio description and taking questions from the audience. So that was a whole lot of fun too. So we'll be setting that up 
and that'll be on ACB, probably media one that people can just come right in and listen and have an opportunity to ask questions on that session as well. It'll be around nine o'clock after the gala that evening, the November 14th. One of the, one of the expectations um, on the award that has gained a lot of traction within ACB is the People's Choice Awards that are part of the, the gala. Perhaps one of you guys would like to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what those are and how they work. Yeah. Well, Tabitha and I can kind of tag team on that. They're, um, this is the second year. So last year we had um, 10, 10 films or programs that were um, that audience, the audio description community had the opportunity to vote on. And then um, the People's Choice Award winner was selected. So this year we did, we made a few little tweaks to the process, including the um, starting in, I think it was in June, to actually seek nominations from the audio description community of their their most favorite audio described series. And we have five finalists for the audio description People's Choice Award in the in the series category, and then five um, finalists in the film category. Um, and and all of those, we we had a voting period late July into early August, where um, several thousand votes were cast for all these different the finalists that that I'll tell you about in a second, and. So a winner has been identified, but that information will not be shared until November 14th. But I can certainly tell you who the um, the finalists were. Um, and maybe, um, Tabitha, I can start if you have that written down, but I have them all written down. So I just want to, um, I'll start with the series. So these are um, series that are viewed on a streaming service. Um, primarily. And let's see, we have um, Stranger Things. That's a Netflix um, program series. And the audio description has been produced by Deluxe US. Um, We also have Better Call Saul, um, another Netflix production, audio description by Descriptive Video Works out of um, Vancouver, Canada. Um, Wednesday, another Netflix um, audio description by IDC. That's International Digital Company. Um, They're one of the producers of a lot of um, audio description content. Um, A second time nominee for um, finalist for the People's Choice in series is Alma's Way. That's PBS Kids and Fred Rogers Productions. And it's English and Spanish, the English done by Bridge Multimedia and the Spanish done by Decapta that I mentioned previously. Um, And then the final series in People's Choice Award finalists is Star Trek Picard, and that's Paramount Plus and audio description by WGBH Media Access Group. So now, is, gonna... is there an expectation that all of these series should have been had new episodes added during the current year? Yes, there is a um, 
there is a date window that was part of the nomination criteria. And I think it was um, that they had to air from like the summer of 2022 through March, March, I believe, of 2023. So theoretically, a current series. Now, some series might have stopped since the cutoff, but um, we were looking to recognize current series that are being produced as opposed to rolling back and taking all of a series and then audio describing it. So So Paul, like like you're right, uh, the AMC series Better Call Saul has five or six seasons, but it does. But yep. They produce a new season every year. Every year. So well, I guess all- they're finished now. So this is the last. I guess I this think, is the last. I think it is done. Them. It yeah. is now. It's yeah. a done series. Right. So. And so with Picard. Yeah. And yes. Picard is but also. I, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if it might be fun next year to think about doing an all-time favorite audio-described series. Well, we will hmm. certainly jot that down on our list for. Post mortem <laughs> after the gala and see what we do. We turn around pretty quick afterwards and really start ramping up again for the next year. Sure so after the holidays, we'll be back at it again to do all of our planning. So, Ms. Tabitha, do you want to tell us about the movies that are nominated? And if you don't have that, Tabitha, I have it available. I mean, I have it all memorized, I think, at this point. Uh, I would, I would have thought so. She's <laughs> heard most so of the stuff times. about it. So. I'll fill um, in if you miss one. I, I will admit <laughs> that I, I have not actually seen um, any of these movies, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. There is Emergency, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick, Flame and Hot, um, Little Mermaid Live Action, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. You did a fine job. And I'm going to fill in Thank you. The, um, <laughs> fill in who my the description companies people. were, because yep. I think that's nice. important information to know on all of them. So um, Top Gun Maverick is a Paramount Pictures film, and the audio description was done by Econ, um, which is a new company that some people may never have heard of. I hadn't. So um, everything, everywhere, all at once um, was last year's um Academy Award nominee for Best Picture, and that's from A24 is the studio, and the audio description was done by Deluxe US. Um, Little Mermaid live action is a Walt Disney film, and their description was done by Deluxe US. Um, And let's see who we're looking for here. I got a whole bunch of emails. Flamin' Hot. There we go. That's a Hulu production and Disney Plus, and its audio description is by Descriptive Video Works. And Emergency is an Amazon Studios production, and the description is by WGBH Media Access Group. So those are the movies, and there will be one winner in the series category and one in the film category for this year. So... We kind of swapped it up a little bit, but thank you for your feedback, Paul. We will take that back to the planning committee and see what we do for next year. I'm going to try to figure out how to rig the voting for the all-time favorite audio described title. (laughs) Well, well, see, and I and and I have one too, so so we'll fight it out, Richardson. We will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So. 
How did that go last year when it was the first time? I understand that a lot of the companies um, that produced the audio description and actually that produced the series and films really thought this people's choice thing was pretty cool. Is that right? They they really did. They they are very excited about it. And, you know, just being a finalist is, um, you know, it's it's recognition for the audio description providers. Um, it's great motivation for the staff that work for the companies. Yeah. Um, and it just I think it spotlights the whole art of audio description and gives them a chance to really shine. Um, and and the, get- the companies really get excited. I mean, the, the yeah. studios get excited. They're proud of their work and yeah. being recognized as excellence in audio description, I think, well, really I- promotes that whole idea that they want to do their next production and make it really good too so and just like on most uh award recognition shows we will be showing sample clips of all the nominations exactly so that is excellent yeah sprinkled all throughout the production are little like 60 second snippets of the description Mm -hmm. of each of those um films or series so people can see the description and hear it and know yeah that was good description and and just in case some of our listeners don't know, um, can one of the three of you tell us who won the People's Choice Awards last year? I can, if nobody else can. Uh, go for it, Carl. It was um, Obi Wan. That's by right. Lucasfilms and on um, um, Disney Plus. Where and the reason? Well, here's why I was glad it won. I don't know why the public voted for it at large, but I. Loved it because this was an example of how the producers at Lucasfilm work hand in hand with the writers. Usually, a title gets handed off to the writers of the audio description and have no involvement, and it's done, you know, as part of the post-production part. But in this case, the folks from Lucasfilm said, "We want the audio description to be reflective of our." production and they worked hand in hand and actually helped the AD writers write the audio description. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it, I think it's some of the best audio description ever written. Do you think getting the the producers slash writers of the film and the writers of the audio description together um, actually protects audio description from being uh, um, sometimes, as it was in the past, um, uh, uh, accused of not being artistically appropriate? I, I don't know about that. I think what this did, though, in this case, is you know what the intent of the directors and the producer was and shown what they shown visually and they can work with the audio describers right. to make sure that that intent is carried forward. Right. Because writing audio description is subjective. There's so much on the screen going sure on visually with a limited amount of time that they have to choose what to write. And, and, and they can't, when my wife watches something with me, she goes, well, they forgot to say this, but they didn't have time. And she'll point out stuff that the writers didn't point out, where in this case, they can work with the production company to say, what is relevant and 
maybe help them write it in a better way that is understood yeah. more in the language of the show itself if you listen to the language of the audio description they're using a lot of star wars terminology that the average writer of the ad would have not used right kim may remember this um because she's been involved in audio description almost as long as i well probably longer than i have um but right at the beginning when audio description first came came onto the air, there was this big distinction that was being made by Hollywood between captioning and audio description. Yes. Um, uh, and and captioning was, was never a problem because all you were doing was directly transposing what was said into letters that were put on the screen, even though they actually do more than that now. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but people often said right at the beginning that audio description was different and therefore um, we ought not perhaps to have the, the direct right to audio description because it that, involved far more of the poetic license that was involved that in, argument in the actual used, writing. That argument is yeah. still used by many of the studios that we talk to and say, well, we can't give you the audio description file because we have to get the right to it. I never hear that argument when people ask for caption files. Um, so it is used, and you're right, at one point in time, the studios and the broadcasters did go to court, and the court did say it was the First Amendment right. But that was yep. shot That was shot down, and, the, and another blindness organization who should remain nameless sided with the producers at the time. But yes. the when it went to the legislature, the Senate voted by unanimous consent that this was not a First Amendment right, but a civil right in the passage of the CVAA. And when was the last time anything was done by unanimous consent? So they overrode the district court in D.C. by saying the blind community had a right to this. Um, and, and and it may be the last time we'll have unanimous consent <laughs> in the Senate period. <laughs> yeah. But it's still an um, issue. It is still the writers and the voice talent. It is tricky. How do you make that argument? Because there is a difference in audio description yes. and how yeah. it's created. But you also want to make the argument that it's just, it's an access tool. So it's art, but it's also an access tool in a civil right. So exactly. it, it is. Yeah. And and what a lot of people might not know with the with the writers strike when it when it first um, when they first went out on strike for the writers guild, there was a clause in their strike documents that um, included audio description writers. Um, oh, cool however, that? that was only in there for about a week, and then they they rescinded it and took it out because a case was made by several of the audio description companies and advocates that that audio description should not and the access rights of people who are blind should not be on the the picket line that basically it should it should be exempt from the strike requirements and so that accessibility could be continued to be provided during the period of the strike for and it also could still work so. It also applied to voice talent for a short time as well because they were part of right. SAG AFTRA. Right, the SAG AFTRA part, and and they they removed that restriction on, or we would have had you know, very little audio description during this whole time. We 
we we know that the writer's strike has been settled. The actor's strike has not. Correct. Um, does that does that impact our gala? It it did. It it actually did in several ways because if you viewed last year's gala, we had um, some celebrity talents included as part of you know presenting an award or a, a, a kind of a tribute piece about audio description. Um, the actor that plays Obi Wan Kenobi in the in the um, Ian film, McGregor. One, what's his name again? McGregor, right? Ian McGregor. Ian, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ewan, Ewan, excuse me, Ewan McGregor. Um, So he was part of our gala last year. But with the strike um, going on, most most actors were prohibited from doing any kind of screenings or segments on other programs during the strike. So, So we have had to be much more creative than we anticipated we would be to get top-notch, exciting, interesting um, presentations of awards and that sort of thing. So um, can't let too many secrets out of the bag, but I think you'll be, I think you'll be pleased with um, our level of creativity, finding some really interesting ways to get um, talent and, and celebrity into it without violating the, the principles of the strikes that were in effect at the time we were doing the recording. So the People's Choice Award is is clearly a kind of a democratic exercise um, conducted by people who utilize audio description. But there are a number of other awards that uh, the gala gives out. And these awards um, highlight different elements of audio description. And I think it might help our listeners um, to talk about some of those so they get some idea of the of the kinds of quality assurance that we're seeking by the awards that we give. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll rely on Tabitha a little bit to help with this part, but the one of the first ones that we present is um, we call it the Audio Description Game Changer Award, and it recognizes lifetime contribution to the field of audio description. No, that's the Barry Award. That's the Barry Award. Yes, you're right. That's right. Well, technically, they're all Barry Awards. They're all Barrys. Um, It's like the Oscars. (laughs) That's Um, true. So the Game Changer is, you know, the Lifetime Achievement Award. That's one of... Them. Came that this year. I thought that you're right. They're all barriers. They're right. all barriers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. I, I think. Yeah. It's it's kind of strange. So a bunch of them, they're all Barry awards, um, but then a bunch of them have sort of the prefix of game changer, um, innovation, popular entertainment, live events, Spanish media, USA. Um, but then there are also international, um, yeah, the international, and um, I, I do think that the lifetime achievement it might yeah, be lifetime maybe achievement, this, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and, well, there's, there's, there's like, about a dozen awards what, in total, like ten or twelve yeah. awards, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and, compiled. We have people that work all over the industry, from writer to voice talent to editor. And and some of us from the ADP who serve on the award committee with Joel Snyder, and we we all nominate different. So, uh, um, yeah, the, the, we've all you know presented and and that sort of thing. So, 
I'm, I'm wondering, maybe Tabitha, we should tell them a little bit about the co-hosts for the gala. I think that's some information we can certainly share. Yes. Um, so I was um, in New York City last week for the recording of the host segments at 30 Rockefeller Center. Um, so I got my little my little 30 Rock pass name tag that I'm keeping as a souvenir. <laughs> Um, and um, I was there with with Doug Roland, our producer, who is um, fantastic, and our two hosts. Um, Marilee Talkington is one of our hosts, and she, um, I wish I could remember the way she introduced herself because it was incredibly impressive. Um, she is a, let's see, she's an actor, writer, director, producer. Um, she also created an acting academy um, I can't what's the exact title of it. I think it's like Access um, Acting Academy, something like that. Um, and um, she she was just a, a force to be reckoned with. She just mm -hmm. had a fantastic energy. Um, and and she, the, she did, um, ACB members right, remember her from 2018 in St. Louis. Um, she was there and she did an acting um, seminar at ACE, at the ACB convention and was the featured guest luncheon speaker for the audio description conference that was held that year. Yeah, and she was on NCIS that year. Yeah, that's right. She was in an episode of NCIS. She played um, Annie, and Annie was a, a blind woman that witnessed a murder. And so the you can imagine being NCIS, right? That there was intrigue and all kinds of stuff and she was absolutely super fantastic on that episode with ncis is one of my favorite they shows stole that ever. from wait until dark um <laughs> and, and in and in case folks weren't uh at the convention in 2018 i can tell you as one of the folks who was there that um it, it is well worth your while to uh, to spend a little time with this lady she is really quite amazing mm -hmm. And who's she's, the been, other host? she's been playing on uh, on Broadway. She has a role in Camelot on Broadway and uh, has been doing that for like six months now. Well, it's it's closed now. It's Did it close? Yeah, I think I saw it. It only in about six weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah, apparently uh -huh. the book was uh -huh. by Aaron Sorkin. Who's the other host, Tabitha? Conchita Hernandez, who is actually also a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Conchita Hernandez. Um, and and the and she she is also great um, just advocate and um, you know just doing all sorts of, of wonderful things for um, the disability and, and blindness and Latinx communities. Um, and we were in the green room while they were um, you know Marilee and Conchita were getting their makeup and, and hair and everything, and I was sitting there feeling like an ugly duckling. <laughs> and. Um, I was working on the script. I, I, I had, I, I was, I had a job, um, but it turns out that they are from the exact same hometown in, in California. I can't remember the name of it. And they had, none of us knew this at all. We knew that they were both originally from California and are now on the East coast. Um, but they just, you know, it was just one of those series of, oh yeah, I'm from a small town in Northern. Oh yeah, me too. And I, you know, and this and this, and they just put all the pieces together and they went to the same high school, you know, a few years apart, but it's just, it was just crazy. So we, uh, we made some quick changes to the script to work that in. Um, so that was a lot of fun.
And the other cool thing about our gala that may have not been mentioned before, obviously it'll be audio described, but it'll have open audio description so everybody hears it. Yeah. Um, Tabitha, you can also tell us, I think we can share about who the audio describer is. Um, yes, I will. I, gosh, I did not do my homework. Um, I know that, um, for the English version, it is Ren Leach. Yes. And Maria. I don't think it's been determined who the describer is for the Spanish yet, but I could be wrong. Um, Um, yeah, it's Ren Leach for the English and he's a a blind, uh, voice talent. And, um, is, is is he one of your um, guests on a program, Tabitha, that you are doing or have done? I can't remember which um, I am. If, if, if it's okay, Paul, to, uh, to tease um, my own show on your show. <laughs> it is, absolutely. Um, it's not really my show. I just, um, uh, early in my, my tenure here um, as the ADP coordinator, um, a couple people asked me um, about... Uh, how to find work in the field of audio description um you know with um while you know having uh, blindness or, or low vision and um so i asked what i call my adp brain trust um which is kim and carl and joel snyder um how i could uh, find people um on the blindness spectrum working in audio description and um, so eventually I got so many names that um, doing one panel would have lasted about three hours. So I decided, well, I'm going to do three panels because I didn't want to say no <laughs> to anybody. And it's, you know, it's such a great problem to have, um, to have you know, so, many, um, so many people working in the industry. Um, so I did one panel um, in September. And the next one is this coming Saturday, the 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern. And it will be, um, you know, it's a, a community event. And I believe, um, I believe it'll also be carried on ACB Media. Um, and I'll be talking to, yeah, to Ren and three other um, people working in audio description. And then we'll have one final panel on November 11th um, with three more people. So um, that'll do us for a while. I'll take a break. <laughs> It's great. And and uh, did, did I under, do I understand that that Roy Samuelson also <laughs> is is on that program with you kind of co-hosting? Yes. Yeah, he helped me. Um he kind of I I I joke that he sent out the SOS for me <laughs> and um kind of uh, um you know, he's got an incredible network. Um so pretty much everybody um I think almost everyone who's appearing um I I reached through him and um he, he asked if it could just be sort of a collaboration, um, you know, between nice. ACB and then the um, ADNA pod, um, Presents podcast. Um, so uh, we, we were honored actually in September. Um, he wasn't able to join us, but um, it was me and and three other people. And we had all been guests on, um, on his podcast. And it turned out that our episode um, was the 200th for his podcast. So we were, we were honored <laughs> to, um, to, to be his 200. So yeah, so we're kind of uh, so, collaborating. Uh, if if folks are, are not aware, Roy Samuelson is a, is a voice talent who does audio description out of California and uh, also um, also was our banquet speaker and, and gave, uh, in my opinion, uh, one of the most intriguing 
um, banquet speeches uh, about quality audio description um, that uh, has ever been given anywhere. And agree. yeah, and at the heart of what he said was that it was up to us as people who are blind um, to determine what we liked and what we didn't like about audio description and to begin to um, make noise if what we are being provided isn't appropriate and isn't good enough. And that ultimately it's ours and it doesn't belong to anybody else. And, and we need to be actively involved in determining how it all comes out. But he was much more eloquent than I am in terms of, and in terms of making those points. And um, it's an, it's another very good reason to listen to uh, Tabitha's podcasts and will those podcasts eventually, Rick, be recorded and put up on ACB Media or on the website? Yes, Rick. Rick came to my rescue last month, so I'm counting on him to to do the same. <laughs> and we also nice. want him on the ADP website, guys. Yep, it's there. We do, yeah. absolutely. It is there. Yeah, um, I, I'm. I am actually hoping to 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 listen in on Saturday because I, I I'm very excited about that as a pros as a as a prospect in terms of um, helping our members get a better idea of all the things that are involved in audio description, all of the areas that in fact people who are blind can be actively involved in, um, which uh, and some of it has been has been pretty controversial, but. We are um, on on the gala celebrating uh, writers of audio description. We're celebrating voicers of audio description, um, and we're 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 also celebrating, I guess, some other things. Um, and and we have essentially a jury that that looks at nominees for these things and then makes those decisions. Correct. There there is nice. a, a gala awards committee that um, takes, you know, recommendations, nominations, and then screens them and deliberates mm -hmm. and makes those um, decisions. And, uh, you know, and that's done fairly early in the process because we build basically the run of show all around who the winners of the awards are and identifying the the talent or the celebrities that we wish to um, present those awards. And then our producer, Doug Rowland, also gets acceptance remarks from the winners. And that all gets um, edited into the final production. It'll be on November 14th. So uh, the gala in the first year um, created lots of interest in the industry. And it probably uh, built to the point where it was easier for you guys, perhaps, to get um, to get support for the gala and to get people to get involved. Would you Would you say that's the case, Miss Kim? Absolutely, I oh, definitely yeah. believe that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's in fact, Kim. If we have several people on our planning committee who work in the industry themselves, like Mr. Cohn from Lucasfilm, Mark Turret from Paramount, Laurie Samuel from NBC Universal, um, and several others. So we have more people on the planning committee who work in the industry also. Yeah. We have some representatives on our planning committee also from the audio description producer community, 
descriptive video works, um, Reese Lloyd, we have yep. um, Jonathan um, Kavanaugh and from Matt Bridge Kaplowitz yeah. from Bridge Multimedia as well. So, um, so we do have representation from some of the audio description producers as part of our planning committee. And they do get recognized. The winners of the Audio Description People's Choice Award, you know, that studio is recognized. But the Audio Description Producer for those two winners, they also get recognized as part of the gala and get an award and get to be um, to accept the award publicly as part of the gala, which is, you know, heightening the awareness of the producers of audio description as well. So it's a nice compliment to the winner, the, the studio that wins, as well to recognize the description company that produced the description for their winning film or series. Do, do you guys think that uh, producing the audio description gala helps, um, helps uh, draw attention to the kind of legislation that we're working on in terms of audio description? And is there any connection between the two? No, I don't. Well, I think there is a connection between the increased amount of audio description we're starting to see. Even this year, it expanded to a number of free streaming services such as Freebie and Tubi and Pluto's looking into it. And there's a bunch of services I never even heard of such as Curiosity and <laughs> others that have added audio description. As far as the legislation, uh, I think industry is still wary of 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 what they consider to be mandate. So I think the legislation is somewhat separate as far as the industry goes. It may have helped with far as consumer perspective, um, but I think I think so. I think the audio description gala had created an increased awareness of audio description by the public and those who are in media, but I'm not sure it's helped in terms of the proposed legislation of the CVTA, which was just recently, recently introduced by Senator Markey. Very good. So I'm going to talk <clears throat> for a few minutes, if it's all right with you guys, um, with uh, Dr. Kenlon about um, how she came to ACB and what her involvement with audio description is, if that's okay. By all means. So Dr. Kenlin, tell us tell us about where you're from and and um, what your doctorate's in and and how you got involved in audio description. Hey, uh, let's see, tall order. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, so it's so funny. Everyone thinks that where are you from is such a simple, straightforward question, but it is not. Um, yep. My dad was in the Navy, so. I do not have a hometown. I moved um, every three or four years throughout my childhood. And the longest I've ever lived in one place is six years. And that was just so weird. <laughs> I mm -hmm. just um, did not know what to do. Um, so uh, I uh, kind of am I'm a rootless uh, person. Um, my PhD is in English literature, and um, I actually did that in Boston. So hello, Kim and Carl, although I did not know Kim and Carl at the time. 
um, I was at Northeastern University and um, did my PhD in English and taught um, the entire time that I was there. And then I worked as a professor at a university in Dubai. Um, those were my two six years. I was six years in Boston and then six years in Dubai. And then after that, it's just been one year <laughs> in various places. Um, I had uh, decided to do a career change and then um, gave notice at my job in January of 2020 that I would finish out the academic year and then go off to, you know, hopefully greener pastures. And obviously nobody's 2020 went as planned. So it turned out to be a really terrible time um, to, to try to do a career change. Um, so, um, yeah, so it took me a little while um, to, uh, to find a job, uh, but I got involved with ACB in October of 2020 because my mother um, we both have retinitis pigmentosa, um, and she, I think some, I, I, I don't think she was an ACB member. She is now, um, but somehow or another, she, um, got the, started getting the, the community call schedule, um, you know, when, when that started up in, uh, March of 2020. And, um, so I was, you know, staying with my parents while I was out of work because, you know, they, they were the only place where I could afford the rent. Um, it was free. Um, and, uh, I helped, so I, I helped with, the, I was the laundress. I did the laundry. That was my, my job. Um, and, uh, so she, so my mom told me about the ECB community calls and, you know, uh, cause I hope oh, as my mom know, it sounds really stupid. Um, and, uh, then I finally took a look and I was like, hmm, actually, this is kind of interesting. And I was really missing teaching. It was the first time in a dozen years that I wasn't teaching in the fall of, of 2020. And I was going to, so I was planning on reading um, one of my absolute favorite books, which is Persuasion by Jane Austen. And um, I thought, you know, well, maybe it would be nice to, to have somebody to talk to about this book. Even if I'm not teaching, I can still talk about literature. So I you know, emailed Cindy and community and said, hi, could I start a, a book club, please? And they said, sure, because Cindy never says no if you come to her uh -huh. with her an idea. She's like, yes, let's do it. Um, and so I, I started um, what was the 18th century reading group. We read all of Jane Austen and um, uh, some Walter Scott and some Anne Radcliffe and Fanny Burney and just um, anything we could get our hands on. Um, but then we started kind of running out of 18th century titles because I um, I think we've only read, I don't think we've read any books that, it, that are not available for free somewhere. So like 99% of the books we've read are available on Bard um, and uh, usually multiple platforms, usually on Bard and Bookshare um, and usually Audible as well. Um, but I, I don't like to to choose a book that would require somebody to to make a purchase. I want to be you know sensitive to people's economic situations and also tastes of you know sometimes you read a book for a book club and you're like, okay, I did that and I am never going to read it again. So <laughs> why spend <laughs> money on that? Um, especially with audiobooks, you know you can't just take it down to the the local used audiobook store, right? You're stuck with it. Um, so. Uh, 
Uh, so we've, we've kind of branched out into 19th century reading as well. And um, we've done, uh, we've done, I think, one Anne Bronte and, and two by Charlotte Bronte, Jane Eyre and Villette. Um, and right now we're reading The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins. We meet Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern. And if you do want to join us, it's not too late. Uh, we usually meet every week. Um, and my my idea of that was to break the the books down into to chunks so that we could really dig in and um, you know do the the stuff that you would do <laughs> in a classroom. But no tests. There are never any tests. Um, so uh, so we spend a lot of time. Um, so, so that was my um, introduction to ACB running the book club. And then after a few months, I also, I started the second book. Um, and I usually call them reading groups instead of book clubs, actually. Um, I don't know why, just to feel it's nicer to focus on the reading part and the discussion part. Um, right. and, uh, uh, so then I, I think, was it early? I think just like a few months later, I think early in 21, um, I started the disability reading group. Um, because I um, finally started reading books about disability and um, I resisted it for a really long time because I I didn't want to read, you know, the inspiration porn type stuff, um, which, you know, are books written by people with disabilities that are, you know, really just ways to reassure people without disabilities that everything is fine. Um, you know, we persevere, we can overcome anything and the world doesn't have to change. You know, you don't have to right. worry about making things accessible or making accommodations because we are determined and, and, you know, we have heart. And, um, so I, I cannot stand those books. They are, they are wrong. Right. They are harmful. I hate them. <laughs> they, <laughs> so, they are. And, 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 and they make them, and they make them loads of money and get them <laughs> lots of jobs doing doing speaking engagements where they reaffirm the wrongness. I yeah. couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so I, I and the, the funny thing is that I've, I've the in the reading group, we've done both, you know, sort of the, the bad books and the good books, because I, I rarely read a book first. I don't, um, you know, I don't censor, <laughs> censor the group. Right. Um, and, you know, people have suggested books and I've, you know, come across books on Bard or, you know, online somewhere and say, okay, well, we'll give this a try. And, um, you know, sometimes it, it's surprisingly interesting and, and great. And other times it's just, ah, um, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, anybody who's talked about, you know, any, anything, you know, whether it's a sport or an art, you know, movie, a piece of theater, you know, it, sometimes it's almost more fun to talk about the stuff that you don't like, <laughs> right? Right, um, right. Where you can just unleash and, and you know, say, this is what, what this person did wrong in this book. Um, so, um, and, and it, it's interesting because we try to do a, a mix, you know, our, I think it's kind of obvious that we might sort of gravitate towards books that are about vision loss or blindness. Um, but I try mm -hmm. to kind of cast a wide net so that we don't get, you know, sort of trapped in an, an echo chamber and kind of only talk about things we already know about. Um, so um, we try to read about, um, you know, the the deaf culture and community and, um, you know, read about wheelchair users. And um, this month uh, we're reading Divergent Mind, which is about um, uh, neurodiversity, autism, ADHD, that sort of thing. Um, so we really try to read um, a variety and, and get a bunch of different perspectives on um, 
you know, the differences and the commonalities amongst the disabled community. Um, so yeah, so long story. So that's that was my initial involvement with ACB. And um, then uh, I was looking for, well, I did a second master's, um, this one in international relations from last year, 21 to 22 um, at University College Dublin. So it was like, with my parents for a year, then in Dublin for a year, and then back to my parents for about a nice. year. Um, so lots of hopping around. Um, and uh, so I was, you know, in the fall of last year, I was looking for a job again. And um, I, I saw this and I was like, well, I'm, you know, fairly familiar with ACB at this point, because I've been running um, the, the reading groups for, you know, about well, I guess it was two years last year, three years this year. Um, and uh, I applied and I was hired. So I started in January. So, and <laughs> um, and and have you enjoyed it so far? <laughs> I love it. I wake up every day with a smile on my lips and a song in my heart. Well, that's excellent. I have been um, I, I, I have been asked. Oh, everybody... you kept the sarcasm. You kept the sarcasm. I just wanted to make me. sure. I, I just wanted to make sure you caught the sarcasm in her voice. Okay. I wonder uh, if Clark is listening. Yeah, um, no, it's it's been. Um, I mean, and so I and I will admit because I, I did tell um, you know Clark and and Kim and Eric Bridges, um, you know, when I interviewed with them last year, I, I was honest. I told them I don't really know a great deal about audio description. <laughs> um, I'm you know kind of been a book person the last few years, and um, my eyes have gotten worse you know, through COVID. So um, I think I was actually one of the few people in the world who who stopped my Netflix uh, subscription during lockdown because I was just reading Victorian novels. Um, and <laughs> and I think, you know, I, 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 I like I knew audio description was out there, but I, it just wasn't really a kind of, I don't know, it just, it, it didn't, honestly, it didn't even occur to me that like, if I was having difficulty watching these these movies and stuff. Maybe I should try audio description. It was just kind of like I'll read books. Um, oh. So it's been um, so. Carl is always giving me lists. Well, no. So here's what I want to say about Tabitha. We can <laughs> teach Tabitha about the audio description. Okay, that can be learned, and she's learning fast, and she's picking it all up, so she doesn't give herself enough credit. But what we can't teach. A lot of people, which she already had the skill. She's a good writer. She's a good networker. She's a good project manager. And those are the skills that she's bringing to the audio description project that's enhancing the audio description project and frankly make Kim and I's job as co chairs a lot easier. <laughs> so, so um, um, there's enough people on the committee with, with strong personalities that have tremendous knowledge of audio description where we can collaborate with Tabitha and teach that. And she's selling herself short in that area. But um, the other skills she has are the intangibles she brings to the audio description project. She's also Excellent. being modest because she's got quite a strong background and commitment to theater. That's correct. And it doesn't right. surprise me that someone who's as engaged in literature as she is would also be really connected to theater. So. Tabitha, why don't you tell them a little bit about your theater background? Uh, well, that was my first master's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, that was um, 
the technical title is text and performance. Um, so it was kind of a, a hybrid degree um, where we did sort of um, textual analysis and kind of, you know, the literature side of, of plays at King's College London. I do my master's degrees overseas. <laughs> Nice. Um, but first one in London, <laughs> second one in Dublin. Um, yep. And then we did the the theater side of things at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. So um, so RADA, I'm allowed to say that I studied at RADA. I'm not allowed to say that I trained because I did sort of an abbreviated course, but I, I can say that I studied at RADA. Um, not a lot of us who can say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it was great. It was so much fun. Yeah. And I do love theater. And actually, I had a, a lovely chat with Marilee Talkington after the recording, um, you know, about theater and acting. And I launched into some Shakespeare and <laughs> couldn't resist. Um, so we had a, a nice time. Um, and uh, but I, I think um, thank you, Kim and Carl, both for for your 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 kind words. It's been it really has been a joy um, to, to work with both of you and everyone. Um, at ACB and and throughout all of the different committees and and everything with the ADP, everyone has just been so supportive and and generous and and patient as I have learned. Um, but I I think I think you're you're both right to notice, um, you know, one of the the interesting things of, about audio description is that it is storytelling. Um, and I've been, yep. you know, really enjoying my conversations with people about, you know, kind of the art and theory of of creating the audio description, and you know whether that is for for film or dance or or theater. Um, and you know, I've had some really interesting conversations with people who are thinking about, you know, and and as Carl was saying with Obi One, you know, thinking about the accessibility and the audio description from the beginning, you know, just sort of baking it in rather than tagging it on afterwards, but making it part, um, integrating it into that um, that creative process. Um, so that's that's been kind of um, an exciting thing to, to hear about and learn. I want to um, draw attention to one other thing about the gala and you guys can comment on it. Um, there, there have been some people who have made suggestions in the past that one of the things that we ought to do is to go out to local theaters and ask them if they're prepared to run, uh, I don't, perhaps occasional performances, maybe just one or two performances um, as open audio description. And we're, we're doing our audio description gala as open audio description. And I guess my question um, to all of you is, do you see open audio description as something that we ought to encourage in other places after the fact or not? That's an interesting question because I, you know, I'd love to say absolutely yes, for sure. Um, but I, I, you know, I talk to enough people in the blindness community and some of them are thrilled that their families have embraced audio description and are, you know, 100% committed to we'll only watch something if it's audio described, which I think is fantastic. But there are a lot of other blind people who say, you know, my family members think it's too chattery. They don't like it. They they find it distracting. Um, and I've heard that from a lot of sighted people that, you know, they're not used to it. So it is, yep. it seems like nonstop chalking and, and it, it overwhelms a lot of people. So I will, I will say a few things. 
the deaf deaf and hard community is fighting or not fighting is advocating many movie theaters to do what they call open caption they sure are and some theater chains do one show in a week where they do yep. open captions, but only one showing out of what, 20, 30 showings, you know? And they say that if they do open captions, a lot of people will be turned off and they'll be forced to shut their doors. I don't know if that's true. That's what they th- I think people are so, captioning is so ubiquitous now. I think that people are getting used to it. Now, um, if you Google, how do I turn off my, how do I turn off audio description? You'll see tons and tons and tons of comments. So there are some people that are annoyed. Now, Kim mentioned family members. My wife loves audio description for a couple of reasons. One, she doesn't have to work at making sure I enjoy the show. She can just be my companion watching a movie with me and get lost watching entertainment just like anybody else does and not worry whether or not I'm enjoying the movie or the TV show or whatever Watching we're watching together as a couple. The biggest problem is we fight over what to watch because she wants to watch romance, comedies, and I want to watch, I don't know, sci-fi. We know know you like James Bond. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There's nothing better, more narcissistic and sexist than James Bond. (laughs) Uh, uh, but, but, um, and my wife will never watch a James Bond movie till the day she dies. But <laughs> there you go. Um, so, and the theaters will fight it if, and it's very easy for them to play a, a film without your description because when they download the movies in what's called the DCP packet, a digital packet from the studios, they're downloading assets that go along with this, the captain files, the sound enhancement files, the audio description files. All they have to do is click a switch on their computer that says play this open, and it's easy to do. So all the theaters have the capability to do it. They just choose not to do it. I I, I think it's interesting. Go ahead, please. Um, I mean, I I don't have, you know, uh, a solution, but um, one of the the ADP um, initiatives is, uh, which is, you know, obviously one of my favorites as a teacher. Um, it's the Beatty Benefits of Audio Description in Education essay contest for young people ages seven right. to twenty-one, which has just launched this week. So if you know any young people on the blindness spectrum, tell them to start thinking about their contest submission. Um, and we, um, our committee, had a great conversation with. Um, a woman, oh, Polly, what was her last name? Um, but yeah, uh, from Australia. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so she was telling us she joined us um, and told us a little bit about what she's doing in Australia. And one thing that she talked about was building learning, uh, listening, uh, building listening literacy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. kind of teaching people how to listen um, and and you know kind of get accustomed to the audio description um right. so I, I thought that was you know something that i, I hadn't I also, heard people talk about before i thought that was interesting i also think we need to change the paradigm and, and this may be controversial but paul loved it when you bring up controversial stuff <laughs> um we need to change the paradigm a little bit how we talk about audio description to go beyond the blindness community mm-hmm. in that 
if we talk about it for people, say, with intellectual disabilities or hidden disabilities who may not recognize facial expressions or certain things, uh, that, or, or maybe the elderly community who may sure. be slowing down cognitively, that audio description can help them pay attention to what's going on. And if we change the argument of who audio description is created for, we might get wider acceptance and then lead to more open audio description. I always thought we should do movie night on Sirius XM. Yeah, that, that, <clears throat> that, that's because, actually, yeah, absolutely. Because so many people are, are driving along in cars where they really can't watch movies, but, um, but they could listen to them with audio description. Well, there you do get into the right issue because you're marrying it with the primary audio. Yeah, I, I hear you. Well, you know, I, I, I guess um, I have been dominating this program so far. So before we open it up to folks from the audience and, and get more generally into audio description questions, let me ask any of the folks on my production side whether they have questions that I haven't answered or asked so far. <laughs> you haven't answered anything, Paul. <laughs> exactly. That's true. I don't know any answers, Carl. No, no, you've been asking all the questions. You know the answers. I have. <laughs> I do. I I do. So, Brian, do you have any do you have any questions you'd like to raise? Not so much question as uh, commentary. Comment? Go and for that it. That is yep. that. Uh, this week, I have watched eight movies with audio description. Nice. Uh, you know, there, there was this point in time when uh, we were just excited that the latest movie had some audio description to it. Uh, that's great. But I'm getting to watch movies that I never watched before. Yes, yes. I, it simply wasn't available to me. And I have better things to do than to, than to uh, just sit around and uh, endure which is kind of what it feels like now, non-audio described content. I just finished watching the Mission Impossible series. The there is <laughs> no way. Yeah. In, in, there's no way that I would sit uh, alone and try to watch that movie without uh, that series without yeah. audio description. I loved it as a kid. Yeah. I was blinded when I was 11. So we used to watch Mission Impossible TV series when I was a kid, it was a, a must-see kind of thing, and yeah, I that's was, that's fine was for you as a sighted person, as a blind person. Wait a minute, even the TV terrible. series was was impossible it was to terrible. watch. Absolutely, can I ask? Can I ask you to distinguish? Are you talking about the series from 1960 with audio description? Or are you talking about the movies with Tom Cruise with audio description? The movies with Tom Cruise. Okay, is what you. I just finished watching, uh, and and again. I am getting to live in my 60s the things I didn't get to have access to in my 20s. It uh, is it's yep. amazing. I'm filling in <clears throat> blanks that I, I didn't even realize I had. So it, oh, it's uh, exciting to see this kind of thing. And I know that the uh, gala is all about the, you know, the, the nominees have to be new nominees, so to speak, right? Right. Uh, but let's not lose fact that even through this 
uh, crazy uh, whole business that, that occurred relative to the writer's strikes. Uh, during that time. They're doing our, the back catalog. They're doing back catalogs. Yeah. So, so those of you who don't think that you are really that big of a movie buff, go back and take a look. It no, is how do you, truly amazing. How, how, how do you how do you rate those things? And I'm really asking the, the committee this question. I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the things that I'm doing right now, um, and and truly I haven't done a good job of it over the last three or four weeks, but I I never watched West Wing. West Wing is now available with audio description in all of the seasons. Right. That audio description, I think, is new. So should should West Wing qualify as a current audio description program that could be nominated? Yeah, it, the way the description's written, that Kim and I, Kim and I and Tabitha, I think, worked on together with the team. We wrote it in such a way to say the audio description. I mean, let's talk about. We talked about earlier how um, Picard and the other show from AMC uh, uh, are done. Yep. Yep. Or old show, yeah. but the new thing, right? Yeah. And and I agree with Brian. I last night uh, couldn't sleep, so I woke up at one o'clock this morning and watched Midway, which is from 1975 with Henry Fonda and Robert Mitchum, which is about the Battle wow. of Midway. Mm -hmm. And it was cool because I'm an old time movie buff, but I no longer watch old time movies because I can no longer really visually see them. And it was cool to see an audio described film on Netflix from 1976 with Robert Mitchum and Henry Fonda. So um, if so, Kim, we ought to revisit that to make sure that new titles, meaning not newly produced titles from when they were produced, but newly yeah. created audio description. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I, I think yeah. we have to tweak our criteria a little bit to make yeah. that a possibility. So um, I, I know you guys will be comfortable with, uh, with dealing with any questions that might come from the audience, but uh, I think it is time that we invited folks uh, to make comments or raise questions with folks from audio description. So Miss Marianne, you're up. Okay, we have DJ. My friend from Jacksonville. Hey, DJ. Hello, hello, Paul. Uh, again, thank you for attending our White Cane Ball. Yeah. Uh, this past <laughs> Saturday, we had a great time. Um, my question is maybe not, yeah, it is a question. And I think Paul hit on it because I've always been kind of curious as to how uh, movies and television shows and the like, especially movies, are able to be connected to um, having voice, uh, voice, excuse me, audio description. Um, how do these parent companies? Get how do you turn it on? To, it, it, not just how you turn it on, but how they get together. And, oh, how uh, how do we choose which ones get done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good question. I don't think anybody knows. So I'll, I'll stab that a little bit. I'll take, the, there are some parameters. So um, A, most 
and I'm I'm gonna say probably ninety percent of all theatrical releases are now coming out with audio description in the theater. Still, the small productions don't. Not the small our house movies and the smaller productions, some of them don't. But most of the major theatrical nationwide releases are now coming out with audio description because eventually they're gonna go to streaming services and the audio description will follow. So I think like like for instance Warner Brothers will describe every single title they produce. And I think they produce um, six to 10 titles a year. Same thing with Disney. So most of the major theatrical theaters are now doing, studios are now doing audio description. At least two of the network, of the nine networks that are required to pass through audio description on cable and television are now doing 100% of their primetime television. That's NBC and CBS. So if it falls under prime time, which is between the eight hours of 8 or 11, they're just automatically audio. And all of the other seven networks besides CBS and NBC are all doing far more than the 87 and a half hours required to do per quarter. Um, streaming services, most of the streaming services, and I'll mention the ones I can think of off the top of my head, Disney, Hulu, Amazon, Netflix and Paramount have all committed to doing all the stuff that they produce, meaning their original content. Um, Apple. Audio, Apple. Apple yeah. does what? Yeah. And Apple and, and Hulu. Mm -hmm. they, they have committed to doing all the original content that they produce. Now, the caveat is stuff that they produce. They also carry a catalog of libraries that they follow or, or or get the right for it to show temporarily. And when possible, they ask for the audio description, but they're not necessarily responsible for, for creating the audio description yeah. for those content. They just ask if they have them and get them. Although, Max is a good example of that, Carl, I would say. A, a big company has some original content, but has a huge back catalog. It's the words that I would be really looking for and it just came to mind would be how they partner with each other in order to make things like that happen. And then Paul just hit me with a, uh, 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 reminded me with a question. I have Fire Stick TV, and I have been for the longest trying to activate the audio description on that, and I've been having a world of a time trying to do it. Haven't reached out of the batter's box, let alone first base with it so um that's did you say I, a specific service dj or is it just on your tv in general i have it on my tv but like i have um like one of the networks i do have is uh through peacock uh -huh. i don't know yeah, i you guess you would pick one of the harder ones <laughs> <laughs> yes you did <laughs> so um it, it it'll also depend on the device you're using to access Peacock. Yeah. In terms of Peacock, most of the stuff that airs on NBC in prime time is available on Peacock with audio description. It, and a lot of their universal movie titles, if they're new, that came from theaters, have audio description because NBC Universal are owned by the same company, Comcast. But much of the content they get from other services do not have audio description. So I would say Peacock, while it has some audio description, that one still has the way to go on the quantity 
of audio description they have. I, I think I think the truth is we thought they were going to have a lot more than they actually turned out to have. That's right. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, but so DJ, much. give give yeah. me a call. Give me a call if you're having trouble, and I'll see if I can't help you. Okay, I got to get your number from Barbara. I think she has. <laughs> it. But uh, not I'll a problem. Your, I'll, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get it hooked up through community. But uh, very so good. Much. Take, Take care, DJ. You yep. too. It's been a pleasure, Miss. Yep, Miss Marianne. We have Sheila. Hi guys. Sheila. How are you? Two nights in a row, Sheila. That's right. <laughs> Can you stand me two nights in a row, Go. That's right. I, I don't, Sheila I, I, is our very, very capable co-chair. Well, she's the chair of our audio description performing arts museums and parks subcommittee of the uh, the ADP. So. She does a lot of work with live theaters, audio description and museums, and is a great leader for that subcommittee. Yeah. Don't don't they always tell actors like the ones that Sheila's working with break a leg? <laughs> uh, uh, that's not even funny. No. I, I didn't say that, Sheila. I just wanted to No, I I know you didn't say it. But yeah. anyway, I just I just <laughs> wanted to put my two cents in. Um sure. Tabitha and Kim and Carl are part of our subcommittee of course they're part of the entire adp you know steering committee but it is a joy working with them on the subcommittee that i do chair and kim i saw today i don't know if you did but i saw today that november 2nd all the light we cannot see is coming out on netflix with audio description that's correct i can't Wait. Yeah. Oh, they'll be in I guess it's a mini series, is what they yeah. put it into, yeah. as opposed to a full full film. They right. call it a limited series. Yeah, it's right. a, like a four part series. All the light we cannot see, which was right. a book, um, right? Phenomenal. A few years ago, book. phenomenal. So the, now this it's is a, a movie book written and... by Anthony Doerr, and it's about uh, a yeah. blind girl who gets involved um, with in France during World War Two. Correct. Um, um uh, and and really is is helped very much by a a german gentleman i think right and yeah. the actress that, that played a young girl and the girl later are actually visually impaired i think right kim yes the yeah, the, that, the, the younger girl in her 20s is, <clears throat> is actually uh um from rhode island and i know her her name's um Aria my, Mia, Aria Mia Loberti is her name, and she's one of the and I listened, the younger star. I listened to a podcast with the director, and I can't remember his name now, but the director is a famous director. He's done Don a lot Levy. of Levy. There you. we go, Sean Levy. That's he's right. done a lot of he's done a <laughs> lot of um, a movies like The Night at the Museum and things like that. And it was fascinating listening to him because he said he had to totally change the way he's used to directing movies with sighted talent. For instance, he had to say, okay, now change your expression on your face for a medium shot, a long shot, a close-up. And he realized that that concept didn't work. He's like, you don't have, for a long shot, you don't really have to like have a facial expression because you can't see it. You know, you just need to have body language. For a medium shot, and also they they while blocking the shot before they go live with the shot, they rehearse all the movements. They tell the actors where to stand. And they do that often by putting tape on the floor. So the actor knows where to stop within the frame of the camera. And he said that didn't work 
So at first I tried sandbags, but then the actors were tripping over them, <laughs> right? And then and then and then so he had to find a small piece of rope where he taped down, and they could tactically feel the rope and know that that was their cue to stop. That so was just fascinating. And the coolest part: this was a mainstream Hollywood podcast. He bought up audio description because he got asked. Well, how does your blind actors and actresses know what television and film was? And he said, regarding the young girl, Kim, that you just mentioned, she actually watches more movies and TV shows than I ever have. And because of audio description, and here's what audio description is. So that's an example how we have increased awareness of audio description to the point now where an A-list director now knows what it is. Well, and I just have to say that I have become an audio description snob because living alone, if I'm going to watch a movie, it's going to have audio description or I'm not watching it. So. And Netflix is also releasing parts of that show in certain theaters nationwide, too. So check I your, saw that. Yeah, I saw uh, that. So check your mm -hmm. internet to see if it's being played locally, too. Yep, I saw that. Thanks, Excellent. guys. Miss Sheila, thank you. Miss Marianne. Janet? Well, while we're, can I take a moment to plug our audio description project to. website? If there's no you question. You can. So, Please do. So, if everybody wants to know what's on television, what's in the movie theater, what's on network, what's on each particular network, what's on TV each particular day, you can go to the Audio Description Project website at adp.acb.org. If they want to know what venues in their state or theaters or museums have audio description, uh, if they want to know about uh, create content providers of audio description, there's a lot of valuable information on the Audio Description Project website. So please check it out at adp.acb.org. And um... And to, to answer DJ's question, there's there's also quite a lot of information uh, about how to do how to turn on audio description in various streaming services as well. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I, go ahead. Oh, go well, ahead. I was, I was going to say, if you take numbers, there were five of us listening to the car in the car from Atlanta Airport where we just got home, and I thoroughly enjoyed this show. And Kim, I want to say this is Janet Danola Parmeter from Georgia, and it's so nice to hear yeah. you doing this show. Well, thank uh, you. This is phenomenal. I I have many of my friends took Joel Snyder's class on audio description, and I'm such a fan of audio description since back in the day when we got the VHS tapes. Hello, and the zipper the zipper bags. Yes. Right. From the oh. library, yes, exactly. With, with an open audio description. <laughs> yes. And and I'm so excited that um, oh. I've been involved in actually doing some children's videos and, and writing scripting for some audio description for young children and beat a bully without using your fist and, and being bullied, a lot of young mm -hmm. ones being bullied. But uh, I didn't know if you knew this, Kim. Um, now, the feature films... That Jehovah's Witnesses have been doing are in 100 languages. We yes. started in 2020 with just English and Spanish, and then in 2021 it went to 50 languages. Now we're about 100 languages. That's that's amazing, and even the streaming services are doing just an incredible job. This is 
they are not, you know, American companies. They have international markets. I think Netflix is recognized in in over 50 different languages. 52. And, and the feature 52. films are, See? The feature feature films have been really really incredible. Yeah. yeah. And we're getting description in in many many of those. Maybe not all 52, I don't know, but many of them have description Apple, in other languages. You can access if you subscribe to Apple Plus, there they make all their languages available to everybody. They don't geolock it depending on where you live. So mm -hmm. every title on Apple has nine languages and audio description, two kinds of Spanish, two kinds of French. I mm -hmm. guess can Canadians speak a different French than people do in France. Same thing in Spanish. There's Spanish from Spain and Spanish in Latin America. And, and, and so Apple, I know that, um, um, and I know that Disney is now starting to explore doing multiple languages because Kim's right, these services yeah. are international. So it is, but the fact that they're doing international shows, unlike TV and film, where they don't really have a way of tracking how many people do audio description, if it's over the air, huh. they know to the second on streaming services, how many people are watching audio description, how much of it, for how long, and on which titles. They would not be enhancing and increasing the amount of audio description if they did not have the data to back it up. Well, The Light You Cannot See. What a fabulous book. I can't, Sheila, I can't even believe they're doing that in audio description. I cannot wait to see that. About And, and that it was about that father who made the little French village so that his yeah. daughter could feel where she was to walk around and know what streets we were. He created the whole village for his daughter. That's going to be phenomenal in audio description. It will it be. Is. It's very exciting. And, and the fact that the, the studio made such a commitment to have blind actors in the film is Absolutely. also pretty impressive. Absolutely. So. I really well, enjoyed that, when he said how they yep. had, had to adjust it. That was really interesting. And I think the other thing that we that we should probably stress, because I don't think streaming services get credit for it often enough, there is nothing in the law that requires streaming services to provide audio description. Correct. And and so the amount of audio description that streaming services have provided, which is at least as much as has been made available. Um, by television networks more um yeah it probably is more i think you're right carl exponentially but, no it definitely yeah. more exponentially yeah. Yeah. but 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 it, it it is amazing to understand that these folks are doing this because they think it's the right thing to do well, rather than because they're obliged that there's been some pressure and precedent with structured negotiations and at all started with the result of NAD doing Netflix for code captioning when yeah. a judge said that, that, you know what, no, the ADA does go beyond brick and mortar businesses. And so rather than continue to have their case heard in court, Netflix dropped it and agreed to have 100% of all their content captioned for the deaf and hard of hearing community. Exactly. And then, and then ACB, through Laney Feingold and the Audio Description Project went into structured negotiation. If you remember, Daredevil sure. was first originally released without audio description. Correct. And, and then a bit of an uproar from the blind community. And then I think ADP, Kim, and Brian 
and and Lainey Feingold did structured negotiations with Netflix, and and um, so I think that not, not with Netflix actually it, it was voluntary, but we used that leverage you talked about with the the national. Oh, that's right. There was no the structured negotiation. Case. They agreed to do it. They, they voluntarily said. Yes, and about two weeks after Daredevil came out, it was out with description. Yeah. And then they started their their you know their growth of audio description. Sure. But, but I, I but I, we've had structured negotiation with um with Hulu and with um Max, HBO Max. HBO right? Max, exactly. Yeah. With um but, but there are several other but there are several others we haven't. So to Paul's point, that's right. We we have voluntary, you know, conversations. We've Apple did theirs one hundred percent voluntary. Right. Amazon was voluntary. So to Paul's point, though, yeah. they would not be doing this. And Disney they... Plus, but you're absolutely right. They would not right. be doing all of this audio description if they didn't have data to show that there's a market. And so, I don't think it's just data. I think some of them believe it's the yeah, right thing. Yeah, it, it's the right thing to do because it's giving ex- right. access to a whole community of people to enjoy, you know, what those companies do. And, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I also think there are at least some of them <clears throat> who would argue that if if they have to give if they have to give complete access to folks who are deaf, um, as 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 they believe they do, then 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 there should be at least some notion of of comparability mm-hmm. that will apply to, to to folks who are blind and visually impaired in audio description. But Absolutely. but but yeah. the bottom line is, uh, who would have thought? 10 years ago and I know I know Kim can can get involved here that we'd be we would be at a place where there is no way in the world that any single individual can watch all the audio description that's out there. Yeah. That's true. There there is so much <laughs> out true. there and every week I read you know the emails that Fred Brack our webmaster sends out where he exactly. tracks you know every new program that comes from all of these services and ACB's audio description project provides that access for everybody you know who's blind you can go you can see what's new this week with description it it tells you you know where you can find it if it's in the cinema if it's on itunes if it's on paramount plus disney plus um and you see that up front right there every week on the adp discussion list which is one of the ACB right. um, email discussion list where you can get all kinds of information about um, what's going on with audio description. And you can sign up for that email list off of the ACB or the adp.acb.org right. website as well. Um, and I'd urge you and, to and do we that. Should, and we should probably say that that it is recognized throughout the world that the most comprehensive website in the world on audio description is ACBs. Absolutely. If you and there is if you do no a Google search, if you do a Google search for just audio description alone, the first ten listings, I don't know, but the first several listings is the ADP website. Yeah. Pretty amazing. And That's there are now odd. over ten thousand unique titles. Um, is, in our is master that not database that's online yeah. there. And it's that's a hugely popular feature of the website. As you sure can imagine, is. 
people want to look up a show or a movie they want to see with description and they can find it there or not find it there and then be disappointed. But, you know, then you can <clears throat> then you can email Netflix on their audio description email and say, I really wish there was description for this because they track all that, too. So giving yep. feedback to the providers of streaming services like that is another good way to to kind of flex our muscles as audio description consumers and and make them pay a little more attention give them some praise give them some feedback i i did some feedback not that long ago and i think it's helped i hope so brian told me about um a netflix film a series called lincoln lawyer and um that there's a character in there who speaks Spanish sometimes to his daughter and the Spanish is captioned for English speakers, but they didn't describe it. So you have these like three minute segments of Spanish with no translation that was, that was narrated. And so I contacted them and said, Hey, did you, did you know this is happening? This is not acceptable. Because there's like major plot twists that come out of those conversations and then you missed it. So I'm I'm hopeful. I haven't heard any feedback yet that Lincoln Lawyer is has fixed the problem, but they, they need to because that was really kind of a oops moment. They and that's unusual been... because usually it's best practice to read the subtitles. Absolutely. And I don't know why it was happening, but that that was, you know, so so if we hear something like that we have to tell the companies it's you know that's what we do and before we before we move away from this let's let's talk kim uh about the project that you're taking the lead on with regard to the audio description project which has to do with the development of a set of standards that will eventually lead to certification of audio description professionals can you tell us a little about that I can. It's been a, a long process because <laughs> developing um, guidelines more, the, more than standards and creating criteria for the development of a certification is, is pretty involved work. Um, but I've been working on it for almost four years now with a very dedicated group of about a dozen professionals from the field of audio description, some other blind consumers that have worked in audio description with the Academy of Certification of Vision Rehabilitation and Education Professionals, or as we call them, ACVREP. And we've been developing, um, you know, a body of knowledge, um, a scope of practice, um, applied competencies in the area of audio description, eligibility, um, criteria for um, who can apply to become a certified um, certified audio description specialist is the name of the certification process. It's not audio describer because when you talk about what an audio describer is, if you ask most blind people, they would tell you that an audio describer is the voice they hear on the movie or the television program. And that is not the case. That is the voice talent or the narrator of the audio description script that has been written by what we more traditionally think of as the audio describer. But in my work as part of the certification process, 
it's been important to acknowledge and to create a process that will include people who are blind or have low vision. So the we call it audio, you know, certified audio description specialist because there are blind people who are writing scripts for audio description. They have a different process that that they use rather than being able to see the screen. They have to partner with someone who can um, see the screen, and they need the the blind person needs to be able to, you know, ask questions to to make sure that what they write is accurate. But that's their process to create accurate audio description. They have to do that if they're going to be hired in the field. Their description has to be you know, as accurate and as good as anybody else who might see the stage. But as long as they have a process, I'm perfectly fine with them writing description and becoming certified as a describer. They just have to have a way to make that a reality. So there's audio description um, quality assurance specialists that work for most of the audio description producers around the country. And those are all blind people who listen to scripts and will f- give feedback saying, you know, I didn't understand this part right here where so-and-so happened and this happened. So can you clarify that, make it a little a little more clear? I didn't get it. So that's their job is to give that feedback, v- review the scripts, make sure that they make sense. And, and of course, we're not attempting to provide a certification for voice talent because they have that certification within the the whole profession of voiceover actors and SAG-AFTRA and and that sort of thing. So we are getting close and we have to submit all of our development of the the criteria for the certification process to the ACVREP board by early December. And that board will then take a look at everything we've developed and um, determine that they're ready to put all of the material that we have created and established as the groundwork for a certification process out for a 60-day public comment period where people who are concerned and interested about audio description can read the, the criteria we've developed for the potential certification examination process And after that public comment period, um, assuming that things will go well, we we will make edits based on comments we receive back to the criteria we've created. And then the the next phase of the process begins, which is the development of the, the, the test itself. Once somebody applies for um, the process to become a certified audio description specialist, Um, And they have to have, you know, experience and hours and all different kinds of areas of audio description. They can't just walk up and pay the fee and say, I know audio description and take the test. There's got to be experiential evidence that they have done things in audio description because in the United States, we don't have a university training program where somebody can go and get trained at the university level in being an audio description specialist. So it has to be based on experience and um, on more on the job training than anything. Mentorship, there are 
training institutes, there are mentoring programs around the country that are training describers, but there is certainly much more demand for audio description professionals than there are people to provide the service. So we will be training people in our ACB Audio Description Institute, I'm sure for many, many years to come, because so much of the work that's out there in the field right now is coming from media, um, all kinds of different media, as Carl reflected that there's a lot of streaming services who, that are putting their own content out there um, in in so many different ways. And they're they're paying to do that because it's access, it's diversity, it's inclusion, it's all those things. So so it's a cool. big job, but but we're really making some progress. And I think it's going to be highly beneficial for the people who want to have a professional career in the in the world of audio description to have the ability to have a certification like this that will give them that added credential to to apply for jobs with um, studios and um, industry itself. So watch out for the comment period. Absolutely. So if you are an audio description enthusiast, go in there and take a look at whether the criteria that have been chosen and that are recommended are appropriate make your comments and um, help to make change so that what we end up with is a is a system um, that will be accepted and valued by everybody cool miss marianne well janice had her hand up and she put it down um but she she is still allowed to talk her hand got tired yeah yeah i just had a couple of comments uh i agree the uh, I read that book for well, one of my book clubs, the uh, the light you cannot see, and I'm looking forward to seeing that on Netflix. Yep. And I want another thing. I had watched a movie many years ago called The Black Panther, and I couldn't get through it. And I had at the time we had home DVD. Uh, the you know they, they send you the DVDs every right. every time. Yeah, and they I they happened to have that on audio description, so I reordered it on the DVD, and I watched it, and I enjoyed the movie very much with the audio description. It makes a lot I of difference. I couldn't get through it without it, but it no. was it was so much. I, oh, this is really a good movie. <laughs> it's amazing how much difference it makes, isn't it? Oh yes. I, what movie was that? Well, I tried. I try to watch Black Panther. Panther on Netflix. I try to watch as much everything I can with audio description. I do have some vision, but it, it's much easier to know who all the people are. <laughs> yeah. Because most everybody, you know, everybody's got dark hair, so I don't know who's who, who's who, or everybody's a blonde. Don't know who's who. Yeah. It's cool, so Miss Janet. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank well, you. thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for your call. Yep. Okay. Bye bye. Mm -hmm. Ms. We Marianne. have Jan Janet again. <laughs> yep. Hey, Kim, I was really curious about what you were saying. You're saying that you're going to make recommendations for being a certificate or we can get a certificate by putting in things that we have. So the, the process for the certification that we're working on to develop for certified audio description specialists will cover 
um, the writer of audio description. It will cover the quality assurance specialist or an editor of the scripts for audio description. So it, it covers that area, not the actual voicing of the audio description, because that's a different profession. That's the the audio industry, and they have their own standards and criteria for certification and different you know, audio editing tools and that sort of thing. But it's the it's the writing and or the quality assurance part that's the primary part of the certification that we're creating. And it will have eligibility criteria, meaning you have to have, you know, certain kinds of experience um, in different parts of audio description. And there's a whole lot of different choices. Some people, some people never do audio description for theater or media. Um, or or vice versa they they all, all of their experiences with live theater or all of their experiences with media so there's a whole variety of types of audio description where you can have your demonstrated experience um in in doing things there's there's gaming there's audio description for museums there's audio description for outdoor events like parades you know we've seen parades being featured a lot more in the last three or four years than we ever did before. Now that, you know, the Rose Parade has always been described for a long, long time by um, by um, the the LA Radio Reading Service and Jolie, whose last name is escaping me at the moment. She's on my committee. Don't Jolie Mason. Mason, yeah. thank you so much. I feel better now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Um, but, you know, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the, those are now like, you know, we expect that now. They've been, NBC's been doing that now for several years. And, and we can now have the same experience that so many households do on Thanksgiving Day, which is getting up and watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And we have it with audio description now. This will, I think, be the third or fourth year that we've had description for it. And it will be there. So there's so many different types of description and we've tried to build this certification to allow for people to have their areas of specialization, but we want them to have the basic understanding of what's required within audio description. So you can't be so much of a specialist that you don't have some fundamental knowledge about audio description for live theater or audio description for television or film. You have to have that basic knowledge where your experience may be in other areas so that we have audio description certified professionals who have that level of expertise. They have the knowledge to um, to answer questions and do work in whatever area their specialty is. So are we going to get to the point, Kim, where where we will where we will have guidelines that will say, um, when a new character comes in, there is an expectation that you will provide a, a description of that individual. And there are already quite a number of best practice guidelines that are out there. And I would say, you know, introducing a character or repeating their name as they begin to speak, especially on the early phase of a live theater performance or a program, is right. a really good I mean, the, to me, that's best practice, um, right? Because until we have a few minutes to hear and recognize who people are, we don't know the voice. One person is that so and so, or is that 
oh, is that that other person? So it it takes more of the, you know, the stress of like, oh, who was that? We're sitting there going, I don't know who that was. Well, just tell us until it's, you know, into the show a little bit so that we'll know who these characters are. We'll We'll get to know their voice, but don't expect that after you told us one time they spoke, that we're necessarily going to get that that was so-and-so unless they had the the deepest baritone in the world and really stood out and you're never going to forget them. But, you know, most people's voices, you're going to get confused sometimes because they might sound the same. Yes. I, I, I personally like it of... when, when the describer's voice is different from the voices in the film or program itself so that they're a little different and that makes it easier to to know that you're hearing the description versus another character. Well, Brian, the way you described I, it. I, I, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I'm, I go just ahead, wanted Brian. to say that the, the important term that Kim used here is best practice. Mm -hmm. This is not going to find a list of you must do this and you must do that. It's going to be, if at all possible, this is the best way to go about a given function if you will, like and introducing a character. All We're not trying services. to create a, a list of this is the way to do something. Right. The it's, only way. And many yeah. of the streaming services have extensive, you know, guidance that they have created for their writers who write audio description for Netflix or for HBO Max. Um, more more companies like that have their own, you know, stable, so to speak, of writers that work for them and they train them and they do on the job training and they have their own specifications that they use within their company. And they've spent time, you know, writing that those guidelines and the, the instruction manual for their staff. So, um, and there was some some variety between streaming service and streaming service, but for the most part, they start with the fundamental best practice guidance documents that are out there from the field that have been created over the last, um, you know, 15, 10 to 15 years and use those as baseline for their work. Excellent. Well, what you described, um, Kim, is exactly how I work with them. I work with a partner. I ask what's going on now. I fill in the script. I write the script with a partner yep. that's describing it to me. I, it's wonderful. And it can work if you're blind. It works beautifully. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've made a real point to create our, our you know body of knowledge and scope of practice to make sure that there's no language in there that will make people you know feel that they can't be a writer of audio description if that's what they want to be right. if they have a process wonderful, wonderful. Just like you outlined that's what has to happen and it and works great you, you can create quality description with that yes. team you ask the questions you know yes. i think it works it works it absolutely does i'm so excited to hear you say that today you described it beautifully thank you all for this <clears throat> Thank you. You're welcome. Miss Marianne, do we have any anyone else? No, you're clear, Paul. Excellent. So we have just about five minutes left, and it would probably be a good plan um, for us to go over some of the upcoming events that are happening once more. So, Kim, do you want to talk about the gala and then 
perhaps Tabitha can talk about some podcasts or some broadcasts that are coming up. I I want you all to remember Tuesday, November 14th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And you're going to either tune in at adawardsgala.org to watch that gala that night on the the live um, view now button that'll be on the webpage. You can make a donation there. You can learn a lot more about some of the um, talent and the celebrities that'll be in the gala closer to gala time when we release some of that information. And um, ACB Media One is where you can tune in here for live sound um, of the gala. And don't forget the, um, the, the watch party that Tabitha talked about happening as well on the community and the after party that will also be on community where we can talk about how exciting the gala was. So I'm looking forward to having all of you there with us on all of the events for the AD Awards Gala on November 14th. Excellent. And Ms. Tabitha, do you want to tell us about the, the, the program you've already done and the two that are coming up? Yeah. So um, we are kind of, um, I have a, a couple members of different um, committees who are interested in um, uh, having a, a bigger ADP presence here in communities. So um, I have a three-part panel uh, or three-part series, three panels on um, working in audio. I'm calling it ADP in conversation, colon, working in audio description. Um, so uh, the first one was in September and that recording podcast is available on the ADP website and I would imagine is, um, you know, tucked away somewhere on ACB media, wherever um, <laughs> wherever the community calls are, are podcasted. Um, and uh, you can join us for the second one this coming Saturday, the 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern, and the third one on November 11th, also at 1 p.m. Eastern. And if you do miss either or both of those, they will also be available on websites. And then I know um, uh, Erica in our uh, in the media subcommittee has been um, coming up with some great ideas about future community calls that she wants to do um, to discuss different aspects of of audio description in media. So um, keep keep uh keep track of the community call schedule and look for lots of of adp calls in the future excellent carl any any last comments from you sir no i think kim and and tabitha have done a good job just um we the adp gets a lot of its ideas and advocacy ideas from the community at large so if you have anything you want us to work on or or um, want to help contribute, just email the uh, audio description discussion list. We all pay attention to that. And if, without your support, that we would not be able to be where we are today. Thank you, sir. So Tabitha's um, programs, that is the conversations, will be available on ACB Media and the Zoom information um, Tabitha, I'm assuming will be listed in the community call schedule. Yes, absolutely. Ab- excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, we have, as usual, enjoyed having the audio description project with us. 
Uh, I always learn lots when they come to our program. We're going to have another involving program next week, which I hope many of you will tune into. We have invited the voting task force to come to Tuesday Topics as their first visit in asking questions about what changes we might want to make uh, to our ACB constitution in order to make voting better. Are there issues that are out there uh, that we want uh, to explore? One of the issues that will almost certainly be on the table is are we getting to the point where affiliate votes are no longer necessary? So I hope all of you will join all of us next week on Tuesday Topics. And in the meantime, good night.